Hey everyone, it's so good to be with you today. If you're watching on the platform, we are so glad you've tuned in with us wherever you're watching. If you're watching later on YouTube, we're so glad you tuned in as well. Feel free to subscribe to the channel. For those of you who may know, and if you don't, this year has been a year where we've had the theme of embrace. It's been based out of Acts, which is a book in the Bible, chapter 20, verse 20, where Paul is writing to say that he did not shrink back. And this is the year where we made a decision we were not going to shrink back and that we are going to grow forward together. And it was a year where we were going to embrace, and we focused so much on different things that we're embracing, and hopefully there'll be things that we're still embracing and also things that we'll continue to embrace after this year. This last month in June, we've been, we were focused on Embrace Mission. And I really pray that that won't just be something we do in a June or for a little while, but hopefully mission will be something that we'll embrace every day in our lives. It is the very heartbeat of the church. Mission is God's purpose for the church on planet Earth. And so I want to encourage you to keep telling your story, to keep being intentional about that, and also to keep inviting, 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 and inviting. But this month, we are looking at a new theme of embrace. We're looking at embrace growth. Embrace growth. In a few moments, I'm going to read from the Bible, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And then I just want to pick out some really simple things, because I'm a simple person, um, to be honest, that can really hopefully help us to grow both personally, embracing growth, and also as the church that God wants us to be. Because God wants us to grow. But I want to read these verses. You can feel free to read along at home or they should come up on the screen. But it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip, that's a great word, one of our purpose statements, but their, purpose, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity, one of our cultural values, and our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. But instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And we'll stop there. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. They're called Ephesians. That's why it's the name of the book. And it's interesting because this church is, it's not like a personal letter from Paul. And this church is very much people who are what they would call in that time Gentiles, who was pretty much just anyone who wasn't a Jew. That's the predominantly the people who are Paul is writing to. But there's three things that I noticed just in this passage and also throughout 
the whole book that Paul really is trying to get across, that he's trying to help them to embrace growth both personally and also together as the church. And I think that Paul wanted them to know the, the good news, that the good news isn't just for a certain group of people, but the good news of Jesus is for every single person on planet earth. And that all are welcome to put their faith in Jesus. But the first thing I notice about Paul here is he's writing to this group of people who love Jesus, this group of believers as we'd call them, is the first thing he writes is some encouragement. See, he uses language that builds them up. He's using language to make them feel better. He's using language that encourages them to build them up as people and also builds up the church. My dad, who is Pastor Jim here, if you didn't know, he always uses this phrase, or not always, but he says, people thrive in encouragement. People thrive, sorry, on encouragement. You know, the Bible is full of verses, it's full of stories where people have been so discouraged, where people have been so broken, where people have just been so downcast, and it's God has spoken to them and said, take courage, or be encouraged. You see, encouragement is so, so important. But so often God comes alongside people, even in their lowest point, even when they've made mistakes, even when they've got it wrong, God doesn't leave them there, but he gets alongside them and just begins to bring encouragement into their life. You know, so often in life we can face disappointments. So often in life we can face pain. We can face trials. So often in life we can try and do things and they don't work out the way that we want. We can try and invite that friend to come to something and they just keep saying no. We can, we can hope for relationships and friendships and partnerships and it just it doesn't happen. It doesn't, I mean, we, we can become so discouraged. We can really believe for that job opportunity or we can really believe that we're going to pass that exam, but actually we just keep getting rejected and we can become so, so discouraged. And if we're not careful, we can end up in this cycle of kind of feeling sorry for ourselves or living in the disappointment. But I want to tell you that failure and disappointments and it might sound cheesy and cliche, but actually, that's the place where God is able to speak encouragement into your life. You see, people thrive in encouragement. So often we hear stories of people who are broken, who are in the ashes or who are in defeat, but then God shows up and turns everything around. God can use the worst moments of our life to actually become the purpose that we were put on planet earth for. He can use our failures to actually become the thing that he uses, the mess that we make, and he can turn it into a message. It's a cheesy line, but it can become the story that we tell so that others can be set free so that we can walk along and be the church that God wants us to be. You see, encouragement is quite literally putting courage into someone. It's like an instant download. I don't know about you, and maybe you're just different and weirder than me, but I know that when someone encourages me, it puts my head up. It makes my shoulders go a little bit further back. It, it can just start to brighten things up. It can just start to make you feel better. 
You see, the first point about embracing growth is that we need encouragement in our life. We need encouragement. And oftentimes, we need to be the encouragement to those around us. Encouragement is just so important. I remember when I was finished my fifth year at school, going into sixth year in high school, it was just before the summer, and then the worst thing that could ever happen to me happened. Obviously, it's not the worst thing that could ever happen, but at that time, it was, because what happened was, I broke my ankle. I broke my ankle, not even kidding, about two, three weeks before the summer holidays. I was devastated. It was horrific at the time, and it couldn't have come out of worse time. So I had my leg in plaster for six weeks over the summer, scorching heat. We went on holiday. You know, it's funny because I had to get an operation on my ankle and we ended up on the same flight in the same hotel as the doctor who operated on my ankle. Um, That was, so I had my own private doctor with me on holiday, you know. Just kidding, it wasn't. We, I tried to avoid him as much as I could. But anyway, this time went on and time went on and time went on and it came for me to come back to school and it got even worse because I had to make a choice between playing football, which I love to do, or playing hockey, which it, it, it was all right. But the problem was I was still gonna be four or five weeks away from being able to play football, but I could play hockey right now and as a young guy who loves sports, I was like, I just want to play sport. But because of this ankle injury, it meant that I missed out on the chance to be on the school football team. I missed my opportunity and I was so devastated. I was disappointed and I was discouraged. And then I remember there was supposed to be like an after school football club thing that started. And I kept pestering the teacher, and I kept pestering the teacher, and I kept pestering the teacher. And he was like, ah, we'll set it up eventually, we'll set it up eventually, we'll set And eventually, he pretty much said, yeah, it's not happening. More disappointment, no more discouragement. But then came a point where the school football team were going to be playing that afternoon, and one of the boys was sick, so he couldn't play. And the teacher was looking for me, and my friends were looking for me. And eventually, they found me and said, David, we would love it if you could play for the school team this afternoon. So I had to like try and phone my parents, trying to get football boots, tried to get everything ready. And I went and thankfully we won. I didn't um, start the game, but that's okay. That's okay. I was a substitute. Just to be part of it was amazing. But then came this match where we were playing against the Scottish champions um, from Largs Academy. And they came to our school and they had their posh blazers and they had their big fancy bus and we were due to play them in this Ayrshire Cup. And I remember I was brought on the pitch because we were one and one now and I was substituted on. And I remember my school and my classmates doing this really funny chant about Smithy for Hamilton because one of their players we knew played for Hamilton Football Club, well, boys club. And I remember how I felt getting on this pitch and my dad was there. And I remember the encouragement. It just made me run a little bit faster. It made me just feel a little bit better. And then came my big moment where I scored a goal. And we won 2-1 and I was the one who scored the second goal. And I just remember the encouragement I got afterwards and how it made me feel. And that might seem like a really silly story. 
But I want to encourage you that people thrive on encouragement. Do I think I would have scored? Do I think I would have ran faster? Do I think I would have played as well as what I did when I came on the pitch if I hadn't had that encouragement behind me? Absolutely not. Why? Because people thrive on encouragement. And I believe that you're no different. That you thrive on encouragement too. You know, there's a guy in the Bible called King David who at his, one of his lowest points in his life, he's just come back from battle and they've found that the enemy's taken everything from their camp and his own men want to kill him. They want to stone him to death because they're so angry at King David. But the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. So you might be listening to this. You might feel that there is no one on planet earth who ever encourages you. You might feel that there's no one who ever listens to you. There's no one who's ever there for you. I want to encourage you today that you can begin to encourage yourself in God. That God is always there for you. He has promised that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So that even if everyone else on planet earth hates you, even if everyone who's close to you wants to kill you, which I hope is not the case, we can still know that God is there to encourage us. You might be listening to this and you might just feel so alone on planet earth, but I want to encourage you to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord if nothing else because people thrive on encouragement. The first point about embracing growth is to learn encouragement, to encourage yourself. Begin to speak life over yourself. Begin to speak the promises of God over your life. Even right now, right now, I want to encourage you right this moment. I'm going to give you a minute. And right where you are, I want you to begin to speak life over you. I want you to, self, I want you to speak life over every situation, everywhere where you feel discouraged. I want you to get your eyes onto God. Go away from the noise, away from all the things, the distractions, and just begin to speak life over yourself. You know, we serve a God who is a waymaker, who is a promise keeper. So God who makes a promise, and the promises in his Bible, the Bible that we read, that's the word of God. Those promises are true. God doesn't break a promise. So he is a promise keeper. So when he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, he means it. When he says that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, he means it. When he says that nothing can separate us from his love, he means it. Why? Because he's a promise keeper. And I want to encourage you if you're listening to this. You may have been rejected by everyone in life, but I want to declare over you that you are chosen, that you are not forsaken, that you are a child of God, that you no longer have to live in fear. Why? Because you are a child of God. And his perfect love casts out fear. You see, to encourage people is to put courage into them, to put bravery into them. So if you see people and they're living in fear, whether that's an old person, whether that's a young person, whether that's a child. Do you know what the best thing you could do for them is? Not tell them how they're living in fear and how they need to do better. Just begin to speak life into them. Just begin to speak encouragement into them. If you want to see young people grow, speak life into them. If you want to see your kids grow, speak life into them. If you want to see your husband or wife grow, speak life into them. Just begin to speak life and pour out encouragement. Why? Because the first point about embracing growth is encouragement. The first step for embracing growth is encouragement. Encouragement. We don't need music or worship to begin to speak life over ourselves. We don't need a worship team. We don't even need meetings to actually begin to speak life 
and to one another. The Bible says how that trials and struggles develop perseverance, and from perseverance comes character, and from character comes hope. And hope never disappoints because it comes from God. So be encouraged when things are difficult and we need encouragement. Speak life. Hold on to hope. Because the first thing that we could all do to embrace growth, both individually and as a church, is to encourage others and to be encouraged ourselves. What a difference it would look like if we could all embrace that. But the second thing I note here for this church in Ephesus, as Paul is writing to them, and that really applies to us too, is instruction. We need encouragement and we need instruction. You see, if all we ever do is encourage one another, but we never actually learn anything, or we never take instruction on how to get better, then we're never going to grow. We'll feel great, but we'll never grow. But if all we ever do is take instructions all the time, but there's no encouragement, then we'll just get downhearted, and guess what? We still won't grow. You know, instruction is so important. Apart from if you ever get something from Ikea, because they're just going to expect you to build it. But could you imagine if, I want you to picture for just a second, I know I'm asking you to picture quite a lot, but imagine you were to sit an exam or your driving test or go for a job interview or anything that you've ever done that you would need instructions for, and I want you to imagine what would happen if the testee, the interviewer, or like the driving instructor, test person, imagine if they didn't give you any instructions, they just let you go on with it, but all they done was say, hey, you're great, you're brilliant. You're wonderful. You're amazing. That's brilliant. Like, it wouldn't really be helpful. Why? Because we need instruction. Paul is trying to instruct this church in Ephesians how they should behave. He's trying to give them instructions on what they should look like, how they should behave, and how they should learn, and how they should really study the Word of God to see what's actually the truth. But also, they should speak life. They should speak with honor. They should speak with integrity. Because these things are so important. You know, if you were at work and you made a mistake, for example, or at school you made a mistake, and you kept making the same mistake over and over and over again, and you refused to listen to instruction, eventually you'll probably fail that exam or you'll lose your job. Why? Because instructions are good. Instructions are helpful. But if no one ever instructs you, you don't allow people to instruct you, then you're never going to grow. Even if you feel great, you're never going to grow. You know, the Bible is described in an acronym by some people as believers' instructions before leaving earth. You see, God always encourages, but he also always instructs. You know, the book of Proverbs, just to give one really quick example, talks about train up or instruct your child in a way that they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Instructions. Jesus always encouraged his disciples and the people he interacted with, but he also gave them instructions. Instructions. You see, instructions are really important. I mean, I remember one time when I tried to go without the instructions and I ended up completely lost. And then I look like an idiot and I get annoyed because it's never really my fault, even though most of the time it is my fault because I didn't listen to the instructions. 
I mean, I, I tried to cook and I didn't follow the instructions and it was an absolute unmitigating disaster. And I want to encourage you, this is a place where you can get good instructions. This is a place where you can go to life groups where you'll be led well, you'll be encouraged, but you'll also be given instructions on how to be everything that God wants you to be. So I encourage you in the future when we put on equipping nights or when we put on any form of training that you can go to that's relevant to you, I encourage you to go. I encourage you to read books. I encourage you to get better at what you do. Why? Because instructions are really helpful. The first thing is we need to be encouraged and encourage others. And secondly, we need, we so, so need instructions. Because with instructions, we can embrace growth and grow forward both individually and as a church. And the final thing I know about Paul as he writes to this church in Ephesians and to us today is that we need something to aim for. When we're embracing growth, we need to set a goal. Or we need to set goals. Paul outlines here that we're trying to be more and more like Jesus. The goal for this church and the goal for this church and the church in this letter is to grow more like Jesus, to be more unified than ever. Why? Because when one person grows, the whole body grows with it. We're all in this together. You see, encouragement and instruction. We've got to speak the truth and love. Instruct, encouragement and instruction go together, but what's the purpose? So that people can know the truth that Jesus is the answer that our world is looking for. What's the aim of the church? To make disciples. What's the aim of, to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples? How do we make disciples? By instruction and encouragement. Encouragement and instruction. You know, I love, I love sport. I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million more, but I love watching the Olympics. It's the only time where you watch random sports. Let's be honest. You would never watch the javelin. You'd never watch the shot putt if it wasn't for the Olympics. And I love watching when you see, like, it's crazy when you see countries that you've never heard of, and it's like they've got one person who's representing the whole country, and it's just amazing. And you see these people run, and they might have finished, like, seventh but it's like after their time, it says PB. Why? Because they've just ran a personal best. They've came here with the goal of winning, but a win to them is I've done the best I could. Wouldn't it be amazing if in life we could come to the end of our life, with a, which I hope for all of us is some far away. And we could say, do you know what? I've done a personal best. What is your goal in life? Is it to be happy? Is it to make money? Or is it to be the best version of yourself? To be more like Jesus when you leave than you were today? I want to encourage you. What goals can you set for the next month, the next year, the next five years to become more like Jesus? What goals can you set to embrace growth so that you can look back in a year and say, do you know what? I'm more like Jesus now than I was then. I used to just speak the truth, but now I can speak the truth in love. I used to be really loving, but I didn't really follow instructions well. I've put things in place where now I'm growing. You know, perhaps for you it might be to start a journey with Jesus. That's where you want to start, and we'll invite you to do that in a moment or two. 
But our goal and vision at New Life is to build a church that our community can't do without. And our purpose, how we're going to do it, is by reaching, inspiring, serving, and equipping. That's our goal. Our goal is to build a church our community can't do without. And we're going to do it by reach, inspire, serve, equip. And you're a part of that. Because when you grow, we all grow. You see, we have to start with encouragement. We have to be encouraged because people have to know who they are in Jesus. They have to know who God says that they are. And once we're being encouraged, we then have to give instructions so that we can become more like Jesus. And then we have to go into our world and make a difference. We have to go and be what Jesus wants us to be. Someone who speaks the truth in love. Someone who does good and makes disciples. You see, Jesus came. He embraced everything that is a human being. He came from heaven to earth. And he encouraged himself daily by spending time in God's word and the Bible. He spent time daily with praying to his heavenly father. He encouraged him Self. But not only that, did he encourage himself, but he took instructions from the Father. Not only did he give instructions, but he took instructions too. And he came with one goal in mind he came to rescue humanity. You know, we've all made mistakes, we've all failed, we've all sinned, none of us are perfect, so it took someone who was perfect. His name was Jesus to come. To earth, to die on a cross, but the story didn't end there because he was raised to life again three days later. And he's now seated high in the heavens on his throne, ruling over all. And unless you're perfect like him, then you need him in your life. You know, the best way to embrace growth, the best way to embrace growth in life is to put your faith in Jesus. And begin a relationship and a journey with him that will transform everything in your life. It doesn't mean that everything gets better straight away. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're never going to have problems or trials. But what it does mean is that the spirit within you can have life. That no matter what you face, you can have the hope. The hope. The sure and certain hope that you'll spend eternity with him. You know, if you're watching this and you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to invite you to do so. We want to give you that, we want to give you that invitation to begin this journey of growth and this journey of life with Jesus, where you can put your faith in him. If that's you and you're listening to this either on the platform or YouTube later, I want to invite you to say this prayer after me. It's really simple. It's really simple and then we'll close. But it says, it's quite simple. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I give my life to you. Help me to grow in relationship with you. Amen. Amazing. If you prayed that prayer, that's amazing. You've just made the best decision you will ever make in life. You know, we would love it if you could, if you're watching the platform, you'll see on the screen under the chat section at the right-hand side, 
There'll be a bit that says raise hand. If you click on the raise hand button, we can see that. But then it'll give you another link to connect with us. If you click on that, then it'll take you to our website where under next steps, there'll be a form. We would love it if you could fill that out for us so that our next steps team can get in contact with you and begin to just equip you on this amazing journey that you are just beginning. If you're watching on YouTube, there'll be a next steps link in the description. We would love it if you could click that. We would love it if you could share that with us so that our next steps team can be in contact with you as you begin this journey. We're so thankful that you've tuned in with us today. We love you, we miss you, and we're in a moment or two, we're just going to worship our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. <laughs>